Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Today's second reading is from Paul's seriously ticked off letter to the church in Galatia. Less lofty in rhetoric than Paul's letters to the Romans or to the Corinthians, this letter to the Galatians is nonetheless quotable. In fact, there's one sentence in today's passage that pretty much is a biblical soundbite. Uh, we've said it this morning and you've probably heard it before. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. If you haven't already heard sermons on that memorable, beautiful line, you probably will. So I'm not especially focused on that part of today's passage. Instead, I've tried to focus on what Paul presents as the alternative to all those worldly labels. Instead of identifying ourselves as A or B or C, and instead of dismissing others as X or Y or Z, Paul offers up the memorable, beautiful, faithful alternative that by the grace of God, we are all gathered together within one life-giving label rather than any label that leads to division or domination, we are invited to recognize ourselves and everyone else as members of God's family of faith. As I read the passage, listen for the means by which this is accomplished. We'll explore that a bit and then consider the implications. This is Galatians chapter three, beginning with verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were held in custody and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. And now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to the disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs to God's promise. Okay, first, the means by which we are made members of God's family. Paul really wants his audience to understand that it is not by our own doing. So what is it then? Well, early in my time here at Covenant, I uh, shared at length the story of my seminary struggles to memorize this key tenet of reformed theology, justification by grace through faith, and today's text needs us to again ponder that concept, though I won't go into as much detail. 
It's a breathtaking blessing, this justification by grace through faith. Justification is the big church word for God's loving action of bringing us into right relationship with God. That is justification. Grace is defined as God's unmerited favor. And faith is belief, but I think even more so it is trust. It is confidence in God. This theological claim, justification by grace through faith, this theological claim that by God's unmerited favor, we are brought into right relationship with God in whom we can confidently trust, this theological claim is so important that it's everywhere, at least in seminary. Its cameo appearance in Old Testament studies is referenced at the end of today's reading. Did you catch the mention to Abraham, of Abraham? See, in the book of Genesis, Abraham believes an outrageous promise from God, and God considers that. Not the law, which had yet to be given, but simply believing God, trusting God, having faith in God. That is what God graciously identifies as making Abraham righteous. The Apostle Paul was riveted by that episode in Scripture, and from it, he crafted the argument that not by human adherence to the law, but purely by God's unmerited favor, we are welcomed by God in whom we can confidently trust. Paul, once a rigorous, ruthlessly rigorous stickler for the law, found in the Abraham story a mind-blowing new understanding of life as children of God, members of God's family of faith. That's what the letter to the Galatians is about. And yes, Paul explores it in other writings to other churches. Okay, so at this point, it may be helpful to grasp something of what was going on with that Galatian church, or as a friend of mine memorably calls them, those blockheads in Galatia. (laughs) Apparently, Paul, the great missionary to the Gentiles, had visited this pagan region in what is now Turkey, taught the locals about Jesus Christ, baptized a bunch of believers, and then moved on to evangelize elsewhere. And in his wake, other people had then started teaching that in order to be Christians, these Gentiles must first become Jews, you know, like Jesus and his first disciples. In essence, the Galatian Gentiles were told that to follow Christ, they had to obey the law of Moses and be circumcised. Well, when Paul gets wind of this, he pretty much flips out. Whereas most of his letters open by emphasizing how beloved the people are. The letter to the Galatians begins with, I am astonished. What upsets Paul so much is that if we emphasize obedience to the law, you're focused on a whole bunch of stuff you're supposed to do in an attempt to win God's approval. Well, that's problematic because there is no way anyone can earn something as inestimable as God's love. I mean, if that's what's required of us, we are toast. Furthermore, Obeying the law puts the emphasis on our actions, 
And yet salvation comes only from God, not from anything that we do. It's what God does. Now, it's not that Paul thought that the law was bad. He didn't, and it wasn't. In fact, the law was necessary. As Paul points out in today's text, the law guarded and guided. It instructed and inspired, and also helped point out all the bad stuff that we do. But while the law could condemn us every time we fell short of its requirements, it couldn't heal us or forgive us or redeem us. It shaped through discipline, not through love. Plus, there's just no way to get it all right. And so Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And in so doing, Jesus has ushered in this whole new day and this whole new way of living with God. The old, externally obvious distinctions between people no longer matter. There is no longer a label to divide and to dominate Jew versus Greek, slave versus free, red versus blue, anti-abortion versus pro-choice. The only identifier that matters is child of God. There's no longer all that other stuff because, writes Paul, all of you are one in the saving life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And how is that possible? Well, Paul asserts that in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through faith. Children of God members of God's family of faith. How did we, especially those of us who do not have Jewish roots tracing back to Abraham, how did we get to be children of God? Well, elsewhere in his writings, the Apostle Paul actually names it. It's through adoption. The seminary professor who first helped me make sense of the Apostle Paul was Dr. David Bartlett the only professor I could never call by his first name. I did refer to him, though, as Professor Gandalf when I was talking to my Lord of the Rings-obsessed sons because Dr. Bartlett was tall and angular and very wise, and there was something about the eyebrows. Anyway, Dr. Bartlett was not only an extraordinary biblical scholar, he was also renowned as a narrative preacher, which means he knew the power of storytelling. And he told the story of a couple he knew whose family included their biological child as well as their adopted child. I don't remember their names, so I'll just call them George and Martha. When the time came to tell Martha that she was adopted, the parents, with no small amount of trepidation, explained to her that while George had been born into their family, she had been dreamed of and wished for, sought out and welcomed in. Martha listened intently to all this and finally exclaimed, that is so nice, we should adopt George too. <laughs> in his letter to this bulky but beloved church in Galatia, Paul is insisting that everyone, the born into it Jews and the adopted into it Gentiles and anyone else whatsoever, that we are all equally members of God's family of faith, which is wonderful. 
But what would it look like, actually? 157 years ago today, the story goes that Union General Gordon Granger appeared on the balcony of a fancy house in Galveston, Texas, and read aloud General Order Number 3, which begins, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. The proclamation that's referenced there was, of course, the Emancipation Proclamation, which had been issued on September 22nd, 1862, and which took effect on January 1, 1863. However, with no Union troops to convey and enforce the proclamation, the quarter million enslaved individuals in Texas didn't know of their emancipation until June 19th. 1865, two and a half years later. But at that point, everyone in Texas was to see everyone else as having, in the words of General Order Number 3, absolute equality. No one is anyone's property. No one is anyone's owner. Instead, everyone enjoys absolute equality. Of course, we know it didn't go down like that. We know that 157 years later, it actually has to be asserted out loud over and over that black lives matter. And I must note here in Pride Month that the human tendency to label and other others is as wide-ranging as it is long-lasting. So many worldly labels designed to divide and to dominate. But Paul names the life-giving alternative, seeing everyone as a child of God, not by virtue of our own merits, but by means of God's unmerited favor. How do we do that? Well, first, we need to recognize in our own mirror a member of God's family. Ponder that for a moment. Purely by God's unmerited favor, you are brought into right relationship with God in whom you can confidently trust. Now, hold on to that as you ponder the fuller fullness of this gift. The child of God whom you see in the mirror lives among countless other members of God's family of faith. The labels we itch to apply, black, Hispanic, white, Asian, indigenous, male, female, non-binary, Republican, Democrat, independent, straight, gay, young, old, married, single, undocumented, addict, no! There is no longer any of that. There is instead the family of faith. Or as Professor Gandalf once wrote, it's not the accidents of our birth that bring us to God, not our race or our gender or our sexuality, 
Not one success we have ever achieved, not one goal we have ever accomplished. It is the love of God that reaches out to us and chooses us all to be God's own, God's adopted sons and daughters, Christ's adopted sisters and brothers. And therefore, how can it not be, he asks, sisters and brothers to one another, too. Oh, my sisters and brothers, let's live like that. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.